Welcome to Happily Ever After, the podcast where we talk about life's big stories. From great sex to sexual trauma, breakups and breakdowns, icky secrets and happy endings. It's the stuff that makes us human and boy do we cover it all. I'm your host Hannah Harvey, I'm a writer and a parenting blogger at mumsdays.com, that's M-U-M-S-D-A-Y-S dot com. I would be very grateful if you could subscribe and leave a review because it means more people can find the podcast. And I also really, really, really love hearing from you. So please contact me through Instagram at Mumsdays with all your stories of life and any thoughts you might have on the episode or even questions you want answering. You can find all the details from this episode in the show notes. Hello and welcome to Happily Ever After with me, Hannah. And today I bring you the perfect tonic to my love jaded heart. (laughs) Because of all the divorce talk that I have been doing, I thought it would be really lovely to bring along Sarah Clark. Hiya, Sarah. Hi, darling. How are you? Good. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. I feel slight pressure to be the antithesis to a jaded heart because, like, I've got my own, like, Life stuff. Yeah, heartbreak from previously and like I don't want to be too like cheesy and loved up if everybody's expecting some like good heartbreak stories, but I can No, you don't yeah. have to bring heartbreak here. <laughs> We're happy to have nice mix. <laughs> yeah. So Sarah, you've recently become a celebrant, that's right, isn't it? Yes, I've recently become a celebrant and I am loving it. It's so fun. Oh it's so fun. And a lot of people might not know what a celebrant is, I guess. No, I didn't can you tell me? Oh yeah, that? I didn't really know what a celebrant was. So my friend last summer asked me to officiate her wedding. And the the main person who sprang to my mind was Joey Tribbiani, you know, and he marries Monica yes. and Chandler. But it's different in America. You can actually get legal license to marry someone just online as a general person. You don't have to be like a religious leader or a, a registrar with the council. Um, and so I thought I'd have that power, but reg- celebrants in the UK don't have that power. We do the big wedding that people want, so we make it personal to them, but a registrar, I'm not explaining this very well. I have to work on this spiel. Every time I go to a wedding fair, I'm like, right, explain it better, you silly girl. Right, so basically, I married my friend and it was beautiful and so much fun. She'd got legally married before because it was a COVID thing. So she had just her and her partner, they signed the registrar and then they had the big wedding. So I was able to marry them. So as a celebrant, somebody would come to you if they don't want a scripted legal wedding they want to sign the, re- the marriage license somewhere else and then have you do a beautiful personalised wedding. That's the idea. So I learn about their love story. I meet the couples. I talk to them. I, it's my favourite part, like getting to know people over drinks and hearing how did you first fancy each other? How, what was your first date like? How did they propose? Um, and then putting together a wedding ceremony which celebrates them as individuals and as a partnership. And so it's just so much fun. So yeah, the legal side is different in the UK. It's different in every country. So in the UK, I can't physically marry them because that is a council thing and I'm not part of the council. I'm an independent. Yeah. So people tend to sign the register like the day before, the week before, and then have their wedding with me. I'm saying that I've only done one wedding. I've got nine this summer. Yes! My first one's on April Fool's Day and I've promised not to mention that because the bride's like, it's the only day I could get. (laughs) It's going to be gorgeous. But yeah, I've got nine. How about yeah yeah that would be fun wouldn't it (laughs) um but what i'm excited by is that a celebrant isn't just for weddings i've already done um a naming ceremony i've got a few more naming ceremonies and what's lovely about a naming ceremony 
uh, with a more modern twist is it could be if somebody was had gone through a gender transformation and they wanted to have a naming ceremony to celebrate their new identity or a blended family have come together and they want to celebrate their family name their new family name mm -hmm. an adoption ceremony if someone's being named or adopted into a family so it's really cool because what I love about being a celebrant and I'm brand new so I haven't done these yet is that there's opportunities to celebrate people wherever they are in life and what I was going to say on this podcast is you can also have like a divorce a divorce your ceremony new name. yeah your new name or your new identity or your freedom and having got divorced so it's quite cool it's not just basically I don't want people to think I'm just there to celebrate when it's like traditional happy wedding white wedding it can be anything which I think is really cool because my thoughts with my love jaded yes of course at the <laughs> moment are I will never get married which is again. fair enough but what if I fall in love again well what some people choose to do and I've been asked to do one of these is like a blessing of the partnership so it's not that you'll be married it's that you're acknowledging that you love each other and you're committing and people call it different things so if you met someone and you did fall in love again, but you didn't want to be married because whatever, for whatever reason that had burnt you or you just didn't want that wording, mm -hmm. you could ask a celebrant to have a different wording and for it not to be like legally binding, but just to be like an acknowledgement in front of the people that you want there. Yeah, because I want the party. Ceremony. Yeah, or you can have the party. And the celebration. Exactly, so you could call it something else. Yeah. You could call it like blessing the relationship or like some people call it like a spiritual union, like whatever you wanted to call it. And it, it veers in celebrant events from being like the cheesier end that people love or the more like cool end. So it's, it depends on who you are as a person of how you want to acknowledge those stages of your life. Yeah. And presumably you guide people through the I process. guide people and also I love meeting them where they are as well because everybody's different, aren't they? And so I like to sort of go for a drink with a couple before they book me or, or an individual, depending on whether it's for naming or whatever or a funeral and just see what their vibe is see what their energy is and match them because uh, guide them through it but see what they want it's their day yeah so I don't try and push anything on them and you can do things like a couple I'm marrying later in the year are having like a cocktail thing in their ceremony so they're making a cocktail at the front I'm going to talk through some of the ingredients it's the cocktail they had the night they got engaged under the northern lights and it's oh. this amazing like green I can't remember the ingredients but it's this amazing like green cocktail and it's quite cool because it's just them. Like they're a cool couple. It's quite a laid back wedding. They're, they're telling their story. Yeah, exactly. And they cool, get isn't to, it? Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. So I think that's what, especially during COVID is what was missing was that being able to see your friends and tell your story a completely, little bit. Completely, completely. And I think people have like reconsidered what these traditions need to look like. They don't need to look like every other wedding you've seen or every other christening you've seen or any other like any of those traditional archetypal moments. They don't need to look or tick any particular boxes, they just need to feel right for you. Yeah. And fun, I, I try and say like, this can, this can be fun if you want it to be fun. Who do you want to include? What do you want to say? Mm -hmm. Can we tell some jokes about like, what went wrong on your first date or like what went right and make it really fun and memorable and personal yeah. and yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous. I love my, can you tell I love my new job? <laughs> I do, I love it. Which is part of the reason I got you on, but for, before we even yes, get to that come bit, to that. it was like, Thank you for coming on. You're very welcome. <laughs> but it's weird to me that this is the first time we're actually meeting because no. it's, I mean, I guess Northumberland's a bit like, like this because when I've said who's coming, you know, who I'm speaking to at the moment on the podcast, lots of different people are like, oh, I know those two. And then somebody else is like, oh, I know those two. But like you married somebody who I went to uni with I who did. was 
lush and the dream so I'm very happy he still for is lush, you bless him <laughs> and yeah we seem to have loads of mutual me friends coming back in five years and being on the divorce side of this podcast <laughs> no and being, way. he's not lush <laughs> no way I'm joking I'm joking because um, from what I've seen from what you've said about him it's that moving away from the roller coaster oh yes yes so when we're in our early like falling in love phase like I don't know about you but you imagine that it's going to be this fairy tale journey and you know they'll be rough and the smooth but you'll manage it because you're in love totally I I don't know whether this is too heavy to get into straight away but I yeah my previous long-term relationship before I met my husband was very much like that it was very toxic it was uh he was emotionally controlling and abusive and it was up and down up and down and I remember just thinking like I can't live like this I don't want to live like this but I'd got quite almost addicted to that up and down it's adrenaline rush and I think as well for as much as I love them the pop culture of the rom-coms and the love songs and everything had made me think that that was how love was supposed to be it was supposed to be like the arguments and the makeups and the like I can't live without you shouting outside your window and you're like that's not healthy that's not how I want to bring up children that's not how I want to live like a comfortable happy just calm life but I remember thinking that's just what love was and then when I met Johnny I'd been on my own for quite a while because I needed some healing time so I'd had I'd had like a good like four or so years in my like mid-20s on my own because I just couldn't face couldn't face like too much and then um I met Johnny and it was so beautifully calm and he was really upfront I was really upfront with him I was like I like you I like you too and it's just but I'll be honest it took a little while to get used to that because I was expecting more fireworks I felt the excitement of meeting him and I felt that attraction and I felt that excitement to get to know him more but I didn't feel that like will I hear from him you know that yeah. you, that edge of your seat telling your friends like do you think he's going to text me do you think he's going to text me because he did just text me mm-hmm. he was really upfront and really available and so I was like, oh, this is not what I'm used to. This well, I'm is not, not sure I like this. Why is he Where's not with, Yeah, why is he not withholding his emotions and making me guess? And and I had to get used to it. And I love, love it. I absolutely feel so grateful. But it, it really did take some getting used to. I think we, we convince ourselves that if somebody makes you guess or work for their love or you have to keep asking your friends, what do you think this means? That that's a good, that's an exciting, like romantic relationship. And... I'm not here to like belittle anyone's relationship. Obviously, I've been there, but it's yeah. just it's just so nice to be in like a calm place. It yeah. just feels really refreshing. And we've been together now for ten years, so I've got used to it now. <laughs> but every now and then, after I've had a drink, I'll be like, "What are we going to fight about?" And he's like, "What do you want to fight about?" And I'm like, "No, you're supposed to." <laughs> do you know what I mean? There's no still fighting. a part of me that I don't like that that needs some sort of like drama. And I'm learning to like wean myself off that because I had it for a long time with my ex, where it was the drama that that fed me and kept me going it was my oxygen and and you have something to talk to your friends about over cocktails and you have something to cry about when you listen to the radio and, and like it's a strange thing we do to ourselves a sort of like emotional like self-abuse isn't it where we yeah well it's called codependency yeah and that that is an addiction in itself yeah so you can be addicted to that because as well you have the rough with the really good bits and it's because of the really good bits yeah that you put up with all the other shit and as women, we convince ourselves that we can change somebody because we are good for them. And, and we see those, gl- like you say, we see those glimmers of good bits and we think that's yeah. the real person. And we convince themselves the bad yeah. side isn't the real person. And yeah. It's... And if I behave this way, perhaps they'll oh, always be good. Totally. And... Walking on eggshells and thinking it's our fault or whatever. But yeah, no, I've, I've done some of my own healing since then. But um, yeah, every now and again, you can kind of go, because I'm dating someone at the moment. Oh! 
the art teacher. Oh, he has a little <laughs> cameo name on the <laughs> on the, the art teacher. Yeah, I love how those three words already sum up like the vibe of a cool guy who's like artistic and he's good with kids and. He's emotionally available, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm placing a lot. Yeah, let's just I'm say projecting. all those things. <laughs> I'm projecting. <laughs> but yeah, just as you start to get into something, you're like, oh, this is really fun. And it's really calm. And we just have a lovely time together. And we get what's going on. But both of us are a bit like, oh, but how can it go? go you know, what's the next thing? And it's like we're almost looking for trouble. Oh, no, so totally. it's like trying to be like, let's enjoy the moment. Where we are. You never yeah. know what's going to like, It's such a cliche, isn't it? But you never know what's going to happen, so you might as well enjoy where you are. But it's a it's a female thing, isn't it, to want to feel that security and like plan where we might be in five years or... Yeah, like what's the next thing? Oh, it's not going to work out, so yeah. we may as well just end it now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, the drama. <laughs> we need the drama. <laughs> exactly. So when you were little Sarah... Yes. What was your sort of happily ever after what was the dream that's a good question isn't it I I mean I was that little girl I'm such a basic bitch who'd watched all the Disney films and stuff but I don't think I had a particular set path in mind I I knew that I wanted to eventually find a partner I wasn't so set on that I had to have children or have a family or whatever I just wanted somebody to have adventures with mm-hmm. I wanted somebody who could understand my sometimes terrible jokes and and get just get me as a person um but also I spent a lot of my 20s having fun with my friends I love being a girl (laughs) I love female friendship so I think sometimes it's that grass is greener thing of like I'm very happily now you know happily married settled down approaching 40 got my kids and then I think back to my 20s which were quite chaotic but there was so much fun you were available to go on those girly holidays have nights out be spontaneous and so I've always been somebody who likes to be surrounded by women I'm one of four daughters so I've got I've got three sisters and they're younger so I've got that big sister energy love being surrounded by women so I think I grew up just wanting to chase a bit of that fun and just be surrounded by friends I was happiest at a sleepover when we were like gossiping in through our pillows and at the school disco my sisters laugh at me because um in uh, one school report we found you had to write your own little bit at the end after the teachers and all of mine said I wish there were more school discos <laughs> that was the only thing I said about school I just loved like the fun side um I remember reading this article that was like you know successful people at work are often quite task driven but then you do need those relationally driven people because they're the ones who try and have like friendships at work and and make things fun but we might come on to this but I I feel like I've never really succeeded in my in my career up until now where I'm really really going for it because I have never been somebody who wants to tick off tasks and get jobs done and it's just never done anything for me (laughs) Mm, it's all about the connections yeah and that's hard to tick off Exactly. Like it's never a tick. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good way of putting it. It's never a tick thing. It's a trying to maintain those friendships. And like, it's that thing we're all probably struggling with now. We hit our 30s or 40s where keeping those friendships going, it doesn't want to feel like work because they're your friends. But it's like it does it does involve like time and care to keep your friendships going when you're not just seeing each other for nights out every week for drinks after work. You know, you're not living together in halls or, or in a flat share. You are people with your own careers and lives and families and like it's harder to find that time. And I do miss that. I do really miss that sometimes. Yeah, I think that's what I... Because actually for me, I found female female friendships quite tricky. Okay. Because when I was at school... This is awful, Sarah. (laughs) When I was at 13, I stole someone's boyfriend. Oh! (laughs) 
thought you were going to say someone's handbag. I think, I don't know which is worse. <laughs> someone's boyfriend. You stole someone's boyfriend. And I kept it a secret for two and a half years. And then one of the girls found out. Oh, wow. And it blew up and none of them would speak to me. Oh, no. For like, it felt like six months, but it was probably like maybe three months. Oh. But it felt like forever. And so from then onwards, I was a bit like... A, it was my fault. I should never have done that and oh. I deserved everything I got. Oh. But then also a bit like, but it was just some stupid boy that I only saw for like two weeks and he was an asshole. And he just... Oh, you only saw him for a short amount of time and then they punished you for like six months. Yeah, it was horrific. Oh, like even talking Bless about you. it now, like oh. I can still feel Bless it. You. So it took a really long time to get to a place where I, I don't know whether it was to do with me feeling like I just didn't deserve friends because okay. I'm so awful that I would do something like that. Or Age whether... 13 when you were a kid. Like, I know, like we all make stupid mistakes like that. Especially for male attention, like the things we've done, like I definitely have done that sort of thing where you, well, maybe not completely stolen someone's boyfriend, but if given the opportunity, I would have. I probably wasn't given the opportunity. <laughs> I definitely don't beat yourself up. Yeah, so when you talk about that, like that whole female thing, I'm like, I feel like I'm only just really getting it now. And okay. it's since... Like, the divorce started that I've really lent into my female friendships and been like, wow, this is what I've been missing all along. Yeah, they they can be amazing. They can be complicated and upsetting because women know how to hurt each other and they know how to, like... Um, disclude each other you know when we're at school like you, yeah, the like, example you just gave but I think if you find women who feel like sisters when you're older it's so magical and brilliant to feel that support and to understand each other but you only need like one or two yeah that's it there's not time for more than that yeah <laughs> so you know me and you can have that for each other yeah. we just but yeah no I think I, I, I'm definitely driven by friendships and relationships yeah so Going back to your question of growing up, I just, that's what I wanted. I just wanted to be close to people and have fun with people, yeah. whoever those people were. Mm -hmm. Interesting, which I think leads us into the next bit, because this is, um, along with hearing about your celebrant stuff, it's the fact that you're now like, I finally found my thing. And up to this point, you were like, kind of almost going through the motions. Yeah, well, I'm 38 and three quarters, <laughs> nearly 40. No, sorry, yeah, nearly 39, then nearly 40. I feel like I'm on that track. And my sort of career path now has been actually really fun. I've had some jobs that I've enjoyed. I've worked in media mostly, so advertising, then radio, then magazines, or one magazine. I've really loved all those jobs. I've been really lucky to get them. I've been so grateful. I've worked hard to get them. But then once I was in the job, I was like, I was there for the fun. Honestly, I'm terrible. So the thing I was there for in advertising was we got these stacks of free magazines because it was the days when magazines were huge. You know, you'd want your Tuesday fix of like, okay, heat, all those ones, Cosmo. So you got free magazines at work. You also got a budget to go to the cinema because they wanted you to know like what the current, like they wanted you to know about current, like current culture and stuff. So I was just like, living for the free magazines, living for the budget that allowed me to go to the theatre and the cinema. And then there'd be after work drinks and like these lavish lunches because it was... Before the bubble popped, I think people who still work in advertising, some of my friends now have said it's not like that anymore. But we'd go for these like long boozy lunches with clients. So I was having a great time. I yeah, was like you're 20, connecting with I people. I was 22 and... and I was having a great time. Um, but I wasn't there to like do a good job, which is so embarrassing to admit. I was just, I didn't care enough about the work. I cared more about the fun. Then I worked in radio and again, had a lovely time, had a great time, but I wasn't there to like be the best web editor they've ever had or I just 
I feel really embarrassed. If anyone's listening to this who ever employed me, they need a refund. But basically, <laughs> like, I just, I have enjoyed my jobs, but it's always the people and it's always the perks and it's always the fun and it's always like the gossip around the water cooler. Like that for me has been the work and I've never been driven by the actual tasks at hand. Cut to, um, sorry, sorry, we let, uh, my husband and I met and then we quit our jobs and we went travelling was really fun we did a year around the world this isn't a travel podcast so I won't I won't dwell on that but it was amazing and and we had a few friends say to us friends who are tell me if I'm talking too fast I've just realized I'm like blah, 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 blah. you're fine friends I'm who are very like into their careers and good on them so much respect people who are lawyers doctors whatever consultants I remember when we were going traveling Johnny and I were like 32 and they were like you're not supposed to go traveling at 32 and you are in your 30s they were like why are you going traveling you're not 18 and we stuck to our guns, and I'm really glad we did. We had the best time. But we have, neither of us have been particularly career-driven, and I think for the people who are around us who were, they just couldn't quite... They couldn't quite... Not saying they couldn't get it. Of course, they could get it, but they were thinking, why are you taking a step off the career ladder? And I'm like, I'm not really on a career ladder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might miss a Christmas party. <laughs> Honestly, I'm terrible. Um, so coming back, I found out I was pregnant with twins. So I just feel like I've I've never really got started in my career because I've chopped and changed. I, the reason I left my first job in advertising was because of a really stupid boy who I sat next to and me, we had this really toxic thing going on. He had a girlfriend, so there you go. I've not been, I've not always played fair in that department. It was horrible. I ended up leaving that job just because I couldn't sit next to him and work. Yeah. And then ended up leaving my radio job because they, they uh, what's the word? Uh, they promoted a guy over me but I had more I had more qualifications than him so I remember thinking I need to get out of this so every time I've left it's been like nah can't I'm just gonna cut my losses and run with nothing to go to <laughs> then worked in a magazine really enjoyed that but went traveling so basically I didn't feel like I was on a career ladder I felt like I'd just been trying different things and yeah. enjoying it but then obviously finding out <laughs> um I was expecting twins I didn't feel like I could start a new job having just come back from traveling and being pregnant and expecting two babies at once. Yeah, not just one, Not two. just one, but two. So Johnny and I had had this career plan while we were um, traveling to start a campsite down in Cornwall. We'd looked at some land, we'd come up with a brand name, we'd made some plans, and then I couldn't picture myself with two babies doing that. I'd maybe, we were trying for a baby, so I could maybe picture myself with one baby strapped on, you know, like the good the good life, like one little cute baby in this idyllic little lifestyle that wasn't realistic at all in my head. Uh, me just like poshing around a campsite, helping people with this one little cute little baby. As soon as I knew it was two babies, I was like, nah, how on earth would I know? We decided it wasn't the right time. Yeah. So in terms of job, I did little bits of freelance work in terms of writing and editing other people's blogs and magazine articles and things and contributing but I'll be honest it was so few and far between because to be a successful freelancer you really have to put yourself out there and pitch 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 and I don't have that ambitious drive I just lack it I lack that ambitious drive I always have um and so I would take work if it came to me and knocked on my door yeah you can come to me <laughs> and then I get um that. I was doing very few and far between like luckily Johnny was the breadwinner at the time and I had these two babies that came so, and then I started doing more on Instagram and a little bit of money came through that way. I was going to say, when did Instagram take off? Um, it, it became more of like a work fun in terms of feeling like 
I wanted to share more when we were traveling because I did a daily post of where we were and what we were up to. And I did my peak and pit of the day while we were traveling, like the highs and lows of what was happening. The idea behind that was I didn't want to just share a perfectly glossy travel year that looked unattainable because it's not real life. Yeah. Like some days I was riddled with like bed bugs if we'd slept in a bad hostel or yeah. I was riddled with like anxiety because this was happening. But we were also having the time of our lives. Yeah. So I didn't want to make it just negative because I thought that who wants to follow an account that's just like <laughs> just about mosquitoes and like constipation. And, like, constipation. <laughs> and who wants to follow an account where it's two tanned people being like, meh, we're traveling. Um, so I really tried to share the highs and lows and I really enjoyed doing that. So my Instagram, I got a few more followers then and it was really fun to like share what we were up to. Came back and then it turns into more of like a pregnancy account and then a twin mum account. And I felt sorry for people who traveled me because they wanted to know more about barley. And then suddenly I was telling them about nappies. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna, so you know, it chops and changes with who wants to keep up with what you're up to. Okay. And I do love Instagram. I think there's a place for it, but like, you have to hold it loosely, don't you? Cause you just never know if it could, the, the plug could just be pulled tomorrow. Yeah. Do you have additional places <laughs> so that's that where, you... Yeah, so for a while, for a long while, while I had the twins, my twins are four now four and a half for a long while Instagram was really the only way I was getting freelance work or being invited to do things like this like podcasts or being asked to do like paid brand things and I just had this low level feeling of anxiety that I was grateful that I was getting the work but I was like I can't rely on Instagram because my account could be hacked my account could be deleted people could just stop wanting me I could be cancelled for some you know you just don't know what's going to happen at all Hopefully I won't be cancelled. <laughs> no one's cancelling you, baby. But you just never... And, and so I remember, you know, speaking to my friends or husband and my sisters and being like, I do love this, but it just doesn't feel very solid. Yeah. It doesn't feel like I have a backup plan. And I didn't have a backup plan. Um, and then being asked to do... Cut to last August, being asked to do this friend's wedding. My friend Emma, my God, she's going to listen to this podcast. She messaged me saying, so Emma, I love you. <laughs> Thank ah. you. You changed the course of my life. It's Hi, mad. Yeah. Isn't it mad how yes. somebody can ask for a favour or, a, you know, it wasn't even a favour. I was dying to do it. As soon as she asked me, I was like, yeah, standing at the front and talking. <laughs> I think I can manage. Um, talking about love. Um, so she asked me to do their wedding and... I took it seriously, actually. I, I remember feeling like the weight of that, of like, this is their wedding day. I want to do the best job I possibly can. And maybe that's the first time I'd felt ever like... Felt I mean, I have it. felt like that maybe once or twice before. I've done some fun things before where I've wanted to do a good job, but I've never had that sense of responsibility be so all-consuming on me. You know, there's always someone there, maybe as like a fallback if you're in a job in an office or something, but this was all on me. I was taking their wedding. I was leading their wedding. So I researched into, you know, what would be a good script and then wrote my own and then spoke to them about what they loved about each other and all that sort of thing. Went really well, but it was the hottest day of the year. It was in London uh, <laughs> last August and it was something like 37 degrees and I, I'd rented a suit. I'd rented a full suit, like full length sleeves, button up. And it was really cool. It was pink. And like sometimes people comment on the photos. On, on yeah, I, I loved love wearing it. it, but I was sweating through it like an absolute wildebeest. It was awful. And um, I, th we were in this beautiful, um, it's in Pembroke Lodge in London, we're in this beautiful venue. And there was a small cafe like to one side of the lodge and they had like these cool sandwich fridges. I remember just before the ceremony started, I was just standing like, you can't see because this is a podcast, but like, <laughs> armpits up like in the fridge where they had the sandwiches just like smiling at the guy behind the counter being like sorry I'll just be a sec um but I had so much fun it was just such a privilege to take someone's wedding and try and make it fun and memorable and lovely and relax them as well because they're 
you know, the couple are nervous. They're stood at the front in front of everyone they love. So just be like, it's okay, like, let's do yeah. this. Um, and then afterwards, on the dance floor, I love the dance for our wedding. Yeah. Um, you know, while Rihanna's playing, people, sweet strangers who'd had a few drinks were coming up to me and hugging me and being like, are you a celebrant? Like, is that your job? And I was like, no, no. And I was like, I've never done that before. And they're like, no way. I love a compliment. So I was eating this up. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a few people say, you should do this as a job. They were drunk. They won't remember saying it. I took it seriously. They mean it. And, this is the and became a celebrant because of these people. No, I'm joking. Basically, I just felt so encouraged and on a high. Yeah. And I've spoken to a few people since who've trained as celebrants and they had similar where they were asked to lead something as a favour for a friend. Maybe they were good at public speaking or maybe they just were like close to the person. So whether it was a funeral or a wedding or a, a naming ceremony and they have such a high afterwards when it's gone well. So basically, knowing that I'm disorganised and unambitious, the next day I signed up for a course because I was like, if I don't do this now and put my money where my mouth is, you will lose the feeling. I will lose that high. And I... I don't know if I would have lost that high because I've remained on it ever since. Yeah. But I started the course like the next day. I think the wedding was on the Saturday. I researched it on the Sunday and by the Monday, Tuesday, I was doing my coursework. I'd started. And it was so fun because it was like the history of marriage and the history of weddings and different traditions and cultures and all around the world and how people celebrate and uh, why this is questions not to ask, questions to ask. Because there's so many delicate things that you could launch into and they might not be appropriate so like somebody might not have a relationship with their dad for example so you don't want to say is your dad walking you down the aisle yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got to tread carefully or like you you want to ask about you know are there any children in the family but you want to ask that question carefully because it might be that they've struggled to conceive or there's so many things and so the course wasn't just like the history of marriage and, and how to marry someone it was also like how to gently hold people's hands through it what questions to ask how to market yourself and it was it was great it was with the academy of modern celebrancy because sometimes people ask me who did you train with the academy of modern celebrancy they've got a website obviously and they're on instagram um they've been very supportive and i there's something clicked in me and i just love it i loved it from the moment i did it for my friend emma i loved the course you wouldn't think that coursework would be fun but i genuinely genuinely loved it and i think something in me felt relieved to have found something I also felt like proud of myself which is a weird un-British thing to say and also if I'm honest because I will be I felt pleased that the children were seeing me work because we have these don't we have these really complicated feelings as women around work and once we become mums of like the mum guilt but also so time you spent away from them but then almost too much time spent with them where they don't see you in any other capacity. Like I've struggled with all those feelings of, I feel so grateful that I've been able to spend all this time with my children. And I was their full-time, I still am full-time parent really, because, well, not full-time, but they're in nursery half the week. So half the week they're in nursery, but I have them the rest of the time. And for four years, it was just me and them. With Johnny as well, if he was around. And <clears throat> I don't, I, there's something in me that loves them seeing me go off so I say, mummy's going to a meeting and yeah. I'm filled with joy at being able to say that. And I know for some mums that must be filled with guilt and sorrow because they're always at work yeah. and they wish they could spend more. So it's a really delicate balance. And I completely appreciate there'll be people listening who are like, well, that's a privilege that you've got that you can pick and choose. And But, uh, you know, mums just work really hard. It's a full time job to be a mum. Yeah. And it's expensive to put kids in childcare. Absolutely. So some people have to stay with their exactly. kids. Absolutely. And, and it, doing other things. Absolutely. And there's so many layers to our decisions of yeah. seeing as much as we can of our children, but also 
demonstrating a role model of being a working mum, but then also if you choose to stay at home, amazing. And like every choice is valid and every choice is brilliant. Yeah. But for me, I felt like I wanted to have another side, especially knowing that from September they'll be in school full time. And so it just feels like it's come at such a lovely time. And for my friend to have asked me, she couldn't have chosen, she couldn't ask me at a better time. Yeah. Where I was feeling like dis disillusioned with Instagram a little bit. I still love Instagram, but you know, like it's trying to be TikTok with the reels and you just don't know if your account will be hacked or whatever. And then knowing the children were starting school, it's just, it's just come at such a perfect time. That, like, were you act actively, well, I wouldn't say actively, but were you starting to think, I need something now? And I don't know what it is. I think without the word actively, <laughs> because the feeling, the feeling was there, but I wasn't doing anything about it. Yeah. I wasn't like... looking into training courses. I wasn't like, I've got friends who've retrained as doulas and nurses and teachers and, you know, everything. But I've always lacked that get up and go. I'm so lazy. Maybe you don't. <laughs> well, and clearly it's come out. I like, didn't know what you were trying to do. And, and you I just like, needed channeling. Uh, yeah, I, I need direction. I need help. I'm yeah. somebody who, I'm, I'm such a sucker for these like online personality quizzes and things like that, going back to my loving magazines. But I am definitely somebody who has to be accountable. I can't just do stuff if I'm not telling, sorry. Um, I can't do things unless I'm telling the world I'm doing them. <laughs> I'm exactly the same. I have to be like relationally driven. So I love that this job involves talking to people every single day. And what other things about me? Extroverted, like I wanna be. You need to be around people to get your yeah, energy. Yeah, I need to get p energy from people, but also I remember reading that an extrovert is somebody who works out their problems verbally. I can't internally process, I have to externally process. Yeah. That's why, that's why you've got a podcast that's why I'm here <laughs> and I can't shut up <laughs> and you can't shut me up you'll be like Sarah I'm done now um so yeah I think it, this job really suits me and I think I have enjoyed the previous jobs I've had yeah. but I never went for a promotion I actually once turned down a promotion because I was worried that it would affect my friendships at work so I'm somebody and I left because of that boy in another job so I'm somebody who's never put their progress above their relationships yeah. I've put my relationships above my progress and I'm not saying that's changed now because this job is so relational and it's amazing. And it's just you as well. And it's just me. I'll tell you my favorite thing I keep telling people, which is so stupid, but it sort of encapsulates it. I now sign off all my emails, big love, Sarah, kiss, kiss, because it's just me and I'm not representing a brand. I'm not representing a company and I can be as unprofessional as I bloody well like. So it feels really freeing to be like, this is who I am. I will put two kisses because I always want to put two kisses, but I would delete them if I previously, if it was from a work account, because I'm like, oh gosh, I look so unwhoops. You know, when you send but them to no, your boss by exactly. accident. Or I'm the person on the phone to British Gas being like, love you, bye. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I didn't mean to say that, but who cares? So now I'm just fully, this is who I am. And I know it's too much for some people and they won't hire me and that's absolutely fine. Yeah. It's better that I, they know who you are. But I'm just then. someone who's giddy about love and giddy about life and giddy about friendships and everything. So... As soon as I meet someone, I'm like, hi, like, can we be friends? Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? When I meet these couples, I just want to genuinely be friends with them. That's why it's fun to go for drinks and like, yeah, but I'm not representing anybody else. I'm not some, uh, it's just me. So it's like, it's just really freeing. Yeah. And also you're doing something that's so personal. So you have to sort of embrace all that. Like, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. If somebody you, wants like the traditional thing, then they're going to go down a they're different They're going to go path. elsewhere. Exactly. And I think... 
you are sort of it's quite strange with being a celebrant and it is similar I think to when I mentioned doula it's quite similar to doula that you are someone's sort of just hiring your personality because they are you're gonna run their day for them but in your way so it's like you won't you won't be right for some people and you will be right for Has others to click because it's yeah. so personal and speaking about Instagram if anybody does want to follow me I'm Sarah Clark celebrates <laughs> I will link to that thank in the you show Sarah Clark celebrates darling. and I remember um you know well I remember it was only a few months ago <laughs> A few months ago when I was working out, do I set up a new business account for my work or do I keep my personal account? It just made sense to keep my personal account because I'm not doing anything that feels businessy. Yeah. My job is so fun. I'm just turning up at people's weddings and marrying them and meeting them and having drinks and having fun and getting to know people. So it's just an extension of who I am. And loads of the people that follow you will be in that part of their lives where they people like, have been oh, so Sarah lovely. Can come and do mine. People have been so. Lo- if anyone's listening to this who does follow me and you've recommended me, honestly, I'm so grateful because so many of my weddings have come through people just saying, "Oh, I know someone who's a celebrant," and it's like they've taken the time to bother to recommend you, and I'm so grateful. And it has worked really nicely that I didn't know what I was going to use my Instagram for. And I've seen other friends, you know, they've written a book and they've used that as launchpad to to become an author. Or they've started a small business and now they make clothing or whatever or candles and amazing, beautiful things. And I didn't know what my thing was. And like you say, and I've just found it and I'm so grateful that I have like this small to medium platform that I can use to, to talk about it. And people have been kind enough to talk back (laughs) (laughs) it's so lovely when they do no it's not one way yeah because it can be a bit like that like putting stuff into the internet and just watching the tumbleweed but then every now and again someone will be like oh I read your thing six months ago about this I found it so helpful and I'm like oh Oh my word it's the most encouraging thing in the world and I I actually love the conversational side of Instagram so I spend more times in my dms than I do anywhere else and I always reply if someone dms me even probably to my detriment if they're a little bit trolly because I know they might just be having a bad day yeah. or I might have said something that's triggered them in a certain area. So I reply to everybody and then I end up having all these really nice conversations and feel like I know <laughs> feel like I know people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would be sad if the plug got pulled on Instagram basically, even if... Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it. <laughs> I know I would, it's a big part of my life, but <laughs> I'm pleased that I have what feels like another different pot. Yeah. I don't know if pot's the right analogy, but a different... My finger in another little pie over here, but it's becoming the main pie. Yes. Like, like it makes, it's making metaphors. sense of everything. And they're linked. They're, it's just a lovely link. Because I still, the reason I chose the name Sarah Clark Celebrates, rather than The Celebrant, all, so many names were already gone, obviously, but I didn't want to be Sarah The Celebrant or I'm a Celebrant, anything like that. I wanted to be, just be Sarah Clark Celebrates, because that still, for me, encapsulates celebrating life in general. Yeah. And it being a twin mum, because yeah. I love being a twin mum. Northumberland, I love Northumberland, just general life. I'm someone who's probably a bit too annoyingly perky a lot of the time. <laughs> so I feel like it encapsulates sort of how I am online. Like I share the, like I said before about peaks and pits, I still want to share like the negative. Um, but I'm somebody who just gets quite excited. I'm a bit of a puppy. So um, I felt like that name meant I could still do the other stuff that I enjoy. Yeah, you can still about, be yourself and yeah. do all that stuff, but also be like, and you can hire me. Yeah, you can hire me. You can hire me. I'm so available. <laughs> so the last one I wanted to talk about, where after being on your site, and weirdly, the song that stuck out for me when I was reading it was that Nick Cave song, Into oh. My Arms. Yeah. Which is like the only thing I can play on the piano now. Oh, really? Like, don't ask me, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, but um, so you were asked to do 
a celebration of someone's life. Yes. So the first, I wasn't expecting this to happen. So the first booking I ever had as a wedding celebrant was actually for a funeral. And um, I'm calling myself a wedding celebrant because that's where my heart is. I really love doing weddings, but I also find it such a privilege when somebody asks you to do a naming ceremony. Um, Because those are really fun where you get to like, I'll talk about, well, I love baby names. Talk about why someone chose certain baby names. It's fascinating and meet their children. Um, Or like I said before, it could be did I say this already? A naming ceremony could also encapsulate like a blended family yeah. or, or a gender um, conf- uh, gender transformation. Um, so with this booking, it was totally unexpected. And I'm really glad I said yes. I did that thing where you say yes before you really think about it. You know, what do they say? Say yes and figure it out later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a very, very sweet friend whose mum I'd met twice. Um, the mum passed away. So, so sad way before her time, early 50s, young, young woman, of the horrible dreaded word that we all dread, cancer. And it was it was just so sad. And when they asked me to do her celebration of life, I honestly don't think I've ever felt more honoured in my entire life. Like, for someone to put that trust in you, and I know that my, jo- my personality is sometimes a bit of a joke, <laughs> and I'm a bit overexcitable, and I'm a bit, like, need to calm down. But I took this really seriously, and it was such a privilege. But then also... You know, you have to bring part of your experience or your personality into it. And I was like, I want to ask them the questions that bring her to life of, of who she was and who she is and how she lives on in people's memories. So I was asking, you know, what are the things that really made you laugh that she would do? And, and, and I'd met, her name was Wendy. She was wonderful. I'd met her, I think, twice. And so I knew a little bit about her. I knew who she was, but I wanted to hear from the family. And I will never forget sitting in their front room with their dogs cup of tea and just talking about her life and hearing about the things that she achieved and who she was things that made her laugh made her cry what her house would smell of because she had a candle business it would always smell gorgeous mm-hmm. Northburn, um and you know her favorite music all those things and then that song you've mentioned into her into my arms was what the husband chose and it was heartbreaking because it is a really really sad song and so i had to really hold it together so it was a real test on me in my first paid gig <laughs> yeah um yeah it was a learning curve but I I, th- I feel like it went went well and um I think I remember speaking about this on Instagram somebody asked me how do you stop yourself from crying and that's a that's relevant whether it's a funeral naming ceremony or a wedding because all of those can make you cry yeah. and I was like it's that feeling of when you have an emotion and you either choose to lean into it or lean out of it so sometimes you know when you're watching a sad film and you actually fancy having a big cry. Oh, yeah. So you lean into that feeling and you almost turn on the waterworks because you're like, this is therapeutic, this yeah. is lovely, a delicious big fat cry with a tub of Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> and then sometimes you get that feeling and it's just not the right time. It's not it's, your place. Well, I'm at the front of this funeral and it's not about me. Yeah. I need to hold it together because I'm telling this beautiful woman's life story. It's the one opportunity this family have to you know someone only gets one funeral um and so I just took the responsibility seriously so when I had those feelings of like tears in my eyes there were tears in my eyes but I just had to lean out of that feeling and stick with the script and just try to hold it together exactly not very good at breathing like taking that (laughs) moment to and just yeah Yeah. so my, my dad is a vicar is he? Yeah. So uh, one of the things that really sticks out to me, and you said things... you said my dad is a vicar, like you're a vicar, Sarah. <laughs> I'm just thinking about no, funerals and yeah. being there. And one of the things, like obviously, I'm proud of him for many, many things. But I feel like being with a family when they're going through that is huge. 
and you have to really take on so much to kind of be there for them and to try and make sense of it all yeah. and to celebrate and so you know I really commend you for that because I do think it's such an incredibly just amazing thing to be able to do for somebody and a I family f- yeah and my my experience of grief hasn't been as deep as some people's um but I do know that sometimes grieving can put can bring out really funny weird feelings sometimes you can find yourself laughing in grief because it's that release of like nervous energy and yeah obviously sometimes you're crying sometimes you want to reminisce sometimes it's the worst thing in the world and you just want to close that door so for me I was trying to follow their lead the family's lead of how much they wanted to talk about and they're obviously still in shock because they'd only been you know with the funeral as a celebrant you're there and it's still the first week after they've died um so really trying to follow their lead on how much they wanted to talk about and luckily gorgeous people they were really open and warm and wanted to talk about her and I tried to ask the right questions but it was my first funeral so I always hope I did a good job but um it was such an honor honestly I cannot think of a bigger honor in my life and for that to be my first job I really feel like I went in at the deep end a little bit um but luckily two of my really good friends were in the congregation for the funeral because obviously she was a friend of a friend she was somebody that I knew so these two beautiful friends, my friend Lee and my friend Helen, sat in the audience. I don't know what you call it, audience, congregation, friends and family. Anyway, sat yeah. there and their smiling faces helped. But definitely holding back the tears was, was a tricky one. With yeah. songs like that. I know, <laughs> I know, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Wow. And obviously he's lost, if you, as a final tidbit for you all, he does, Nick Cave does um, a really good newsletter. Oh, does he? Because he lost uh, his son when his son was about 19 in an accident. Oh, gosh. Um, and his, like, about two weeks ago, someone had written in and was like, why are your, all your emails like a Hallmark card now? And why are you not angry anymore? Because obviously he used to be all angsty yeah, and whatever. Yeah, yeah, And then obviously it's this process of grieving that then takes you to somewhere else where it's like it doesn't matter anymore mm. so look him up I'll oh, link wow. to that in the show notes yeah. as well to you such a fan <laughs> <laughs> Nick Cave's number one fan <laughs> yeah it's because I love that song so much no that song's well I remember when the when the guy chose it and I got the email as I was walking along the river in Annick by the castle I just cried my eyes out because yeah. I listened I knew the song but I hadn't appreciated the words and in the context of oh, what you were doing sobbing sobbing it was just me and the sheep <laughs> I was yeah. just sobbing well, you probably had to get through your own grief yeah. at what had happened so you could basically I need to remind myself this is never about me Lisa and my husband laughs because I always make things about me <laughs> So I'm like, these these ceremonies are not about me. I need to channel like the feelings and the emotions and the stories of the people that I'm telling and not even down to what I'm going to wear. I need, you know, I've been asking the couples, what would you like me to wear? Because the bride and groom really have to pop at the front of the aisle with a wedding and you don't want to look like you're trying to make it about you, but you want to be smart. So in the pictures that you're you're not bringing down the vibe. So I always ask couples like, what would you like me to wear? Like, do you want me to wear a bright color or like a more plain outfit? And you have to follow their vibe of what the day is for them and you know yeah. don't turn up in like a white <laughs> ball gown <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> I was so I was thinking I might wear this uh, beautiful white dress I that know. I wore about backless lace <laughs> <laughs> got bit this of a fishtail he- veiled headpiece <laughs> I know I need to rein it in <laughs> oh no oh well, this has been so wonderful Thank I could talk so for hours more. will you come back I will I'd love to come back come back when you've um, done your summer's worth yes, of celebrating yes, yes I will and I you will. can tell us some stories I, I, that's what I'm hoping I'll have <laughs> some delicious stories <laughs> well, thank you so much thank you for having me
Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time for another episode of Happily Ever After with me, Hannah Harvey. It would be wonderful if you could leave a review and subscribe. And of course, if you've got a friend who might enjoy this episode, then please do pass it on. For anything else, you can get in touch with me through either Instagram at Mumsdays or through my website, mumsdays.com.